This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 65. Oh, you're driving me crazy. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. Wait, you're not talking about the fight we just didn't have? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a fight that I don't remember? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's about fighting. I think that in general, there are times where we just drive each other crazy. Like we see it a lot in even our kids where they're not really fighting about, you know, something in particular, Mm -hmm. but they're just kind of nagging on each other. Yeah. Especially days when they haven't gone outside to play or you haven't seen you haven't had other adult conversation (laughs) and you've been stuck at home yep (laughs) right yeah so more on that topic later yes but for episode 65 we had the awesome opportunity to interview karen eman and she wrote the book keep showing up how to stay crazy in love when your love drives you crazy that's awesome that's subtitle Mm -hmm. how to stay crazy in love when your love drives you crazy right and i love (laughs) the question that she said in the back of her book, what if the marriage you've always wanted could be the one you already have? Hmm. Wow. That's quite the question. Because I know there are a lot of times, especially the longer you're married, where you ask yourself, wait, did I do the right? Did I marry the right person? Mm-hmm. Was this the right decision? Decision? And, and I know that's kind of scary to say. And even sometimes the thought might come up and you're like, oh, I can't think of that. The, the reality is a lot of people have had that question come up. Yes. And we love how Karen addresses that. Her and her husband are on opposite sides of personality, as you yes. will talk about, and how that they have learned to grow together in yeah. that. So I love how in this interview today, she really talks about this idea of embracing your sandpaper spouse mm-hmm. and how sometimes marriage feels like a sandpaper where you're gritting and grinding against each other and it's just kind of fighting and it's just not it's just not a pleasant thing. But what is the result? What is the purpose around it? So that's why we're we're interviewing Karen today. Mm-hmm. And Karen Eman, you may recognize her name. She is a Proverbs 31 ministry speaker and writer. I often send Daniel the devotions that she yes. does for Proverbs 31 because <laughs> they're so good. They, they speak really to are. both of us. Yeah. She's a New York Times bestselling author and writer for First Five. That's also part of Proverbs 31 ministries, but it's a Bible study app that reaches more than 2 million people daily. She has written 13 books, including Let It Go, let it go. Right. I'm sure. Wait, she wrote that song? No. <laughs> she probably wishes she did. Yes, I wish she, I wish I did. True, yeah. <laughs> Our other books is Keep It Shut and Pressing Pause. Karen is married to her college sweetheart, Todd, and is the mother of three adult children. And you can find her at Karen Eman. That's E-H-M-A-N dot com. Awesome. Well, without further ado, let's listen to the interview. Well, Karen, you wrote the book, Keep Showing Up, 
how to stay crazy in love when your love drives you crazy. <laughs> yeah, that never happens, right? <laughs> so with a subtitle like that, uh, you must have some personal experience in that area. So what drew you to write this book about marriage? And what are you hoping your readers will walk away from this book knowing and feeling? Well, you know, when you think about your love driving you crazy, that happens, obviously. But I think sometimes when we really take a step back and we look at the things that are really just driving us up the nearest wall about our spouse, there's often a, a good flip side to it because I have this little philosophy that the things that first attract us to our spouse, those mm -hmm. things we love about them, those strengths that they have, when they get carried to an extreme, they can sometimes morph into a weakness. For example, my husband loved when he first met me in college that I like to talk and he's, he's a little more reserved okay. and, and, and laid back. And he said, I loved how you could work a room loved. And, <laughs> yeah, and made it. I mean, he would make all the, the shy ones feel included and all that. But then about three days into our honeymoon, he had this thought, like, is she ever going to stop talking? <laughs> three days. <laughs> oh, listen to this, you guys, listen to this. He has decided, he told me once that if I pass away before he does, he already knows what he's going to put on my tombstone. Are you ready oh for God. it? Yeah, ready. A period. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> I'll finally be done talking. So see that like. That, oh, my goodness. That, that thing that we found in, you know, he found endearing about me right. when it is left unchecked. It, it now drives him nuts. And I have one about him, too. I loved that he was extremely laid back. He's agreeable. He's a go with the flow kind of guy. Just, you know, whatever you want to do. Sure. No problem. You know, when we were dating yeah. and I would say like, what restaurant do you want to go to? What uh, movie do you want to see? He'd say, oh, I don't, I don't care. You pick. And I loved that setup. But <laughs> yeah. about three months into our marriage, it started to come across as him being passive. I'm like, would you just make a decision already? Mm. Like he just had no opinion on anything. He didn't want to mm -hmm. make any decisions. And it started to come across is passivity. So like, I always joke that, you know, he was passive. It made me get aggressive. So we have a passive aggressive marriage, but you know, <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, when you talk about the subtitle of the book, you know, staying crazy in love when your love drives you crazy, there are things about our spouse that really bother us. But if we really think back, probably at one time we liked that. It's just, it's gotten, right. it's gotten a little out of check. So I just really wanted to write an encouraging book. You know, I, I've got, I've got, real life friends in my life. And so does my husband who encourage us to keep hanging in there, keep showing up, keep doing the hard work of marriage, even when your spouse is driving you crazy, you know, they can help us get a, a fresh perspective when we have those close friends right. that are for us. And I know not everybody has that. So I thought, you know, I want to write a book that really kind of tells some nitty gritty stories of my husband and I mm -hmm. tells how marriage has not always been easy for us. In fact, we have such different personalities, which is another thing that can drive each other crazy when they right. attack life differently than you do. We were told we had about a 5% chance of staying married in our premarital counseling after we did all our personality oh, profiles. Really? Yeah, 5%? Yeah, less than 5%. And I remember wow. both things like both thinking, Oh, no, what have I gotten myself into? Right. But then right on the heels of that, because I'm one of these people that if you tell me it can't be done, I say, Oh, let me show you. Yeah. <laughs> Very so tenacious. The, yeah. The other part of me was like, Oh, you don't understand. You know, we love each other mm -hmm. and, and we love God and we want to serve God together and, you know, we're going to make it. But yet, you know, kind of early on, I realized, Ooh, you know, we really aren't super compatible. Our personalities are very, very different. And even though in a way that means opposites attract, 
sometimes it turns around and now opposites attack because you, um, you just, you just do life so differently. Right. Yeah. So I, it reminds me of this story where, um, we were teaching our girls about magnets and how you can put one side together and they're like attracting each other, right? They're pulling towards each other. And if you put them on the opposite sides, they're actually like pulling apart, right? So mm -hmm. I see, yeah, what you're talking about there. Um, in chapter two, Karen, you named it Embracing Your Sandpaper Spouse. And with your stories you're talking about beforehand, I am kind of seeing what you mean by that. Can you further expound on why why are we calling our, our spouses sandpaper and how are we embracing sandpaper? Because that really doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. When you think of sandpaper, it's, it's rough, it's itchy, it's scratchy, you know, it's abrasive. And when you rub it on your, your skin or whatever, it doesn't feel good. It rubs you the wrong right. way. Right. And yet sandpaper is a very useful tool when it's mm. used properly on a piece of wood and it smooths off the rough edges and it polishes things and makes them not only lovely to look at, but it makes them functional. And I think if we can learn to see the things about our spouse that bother us, that are a little abrasive, that rub us the wrong way, rather than like trying to, to bristle and to get away from it, to, to learn to see it as a tool mm -hmm. that, that God might be using in our life to make us more patient, more loving, a better person, more like right. Jesus. You know, when we can stop just trying to bristle at the abrasiveness and go, Hey, in me right now, <laughs> or, you know, the way they're attacking this problem or this issue with our kids or whatever, mm -hmm. it, it's not how I would do it. I don't like it. Instead, if we can say, what am I supposed to learn about myself and about right. my, my walk with God in the midst of this situation that's bothering me and, and that's, that's rubbing me the wrong way, you know, what is this growing in me? Is it making me be more patient? Is it making me be more tolerant? Is it making me, you know, have more grace and, and, you know, by grace, I mean, you know, just giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know, mm. believe, in, believe in the best and not always assuming the worst and right. still, still treating them kindly, even when they don't deserve it. That's how, how God treats me. I need to be treating my spouse that way. And often it comes in the midst of these sandpaper moments where, you know, it's just, the, the sparks are kind of flying They're They're doing something that's a little irritating, like sandpaper. <laughs> but instead, on the other side of so many conflicts that I've seen in my own marriage, I look back and go, you know what? That was not fun. But I really did learn to be more patient going mm. through that, you know? Right. So we need to see it as a tool that God's using to grow us as a person rather than just, you know, initially reacting to the abrasiveness of their personality or their mm -hmm. way of attacking life or whatever that's driving us nuts. I love that. I love that because it really is a shift in perspective instead of saying, oh, look at what's annoying or I, I just wish that they would stop that. But instead looking at it from the other perspective and asking, hey, what can I learn from this? Because ultimately we can't really change each other, right? <laughs> right. And even for us, Karen, I'm really curious, as you were talking about before, um, some of the things that your your husband was saying, like, oh, this is a little bit annoying. And for you, you're like, well, this is annoying about you. So practically speaking, how have you reframed and your husband reframed the part about like, oh, he's um, quote unquote indecisive or you quote unquote talk too much? We have learned, and I, and I think it's so important to look at our marriage as a whole, that, you know, both of us together as a unit, as a package deal, and realize that there are things that 
you have in your marriage due to the fact that you are a package deal that each of you don't have by yourself. So yeah, I talk too much. I, I talk too quickly. Um, and I don't mean by that, that I just talk fast. I do talk fast, but I mean, I'm ready to talk like now. Okay. There's an issue. Let's talk about now. I'm just, I'm ready to talk about it now. And you know, my, my husband would rather talk about it. Oh, I don't know. Never. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, yeah. I, uh, if I would have known it was going to come up yesterday, I would already be, re you know, ready to talk about it today. You know, so I talk fast. I think fast. I make decisions fast. My husband is more laid back. He's quieter. He's more reserved. He thinks things through. And instead of me looking at him and saying, you know, you're slow, come on, get with it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's. And rather than him looking at me and saying, you know, you're so knee jerk, you're just right. No, let's look at us as a package deal. There are times that he has prevented me from saying something, doing something, making a decision because he is more of a think it through person. Mm -hmm. There have been times that I have nudged him and prodded him, you know, to let's get going on something. Let's take this opportunity or let's make this decision because I am one that says, come on, come on, let's get going. And so I think it's, it's good to look at the package deal because, you know, left to our own individual personalities, you know, my husband would have, attack life like this. Right. Ready. Aim. Aim. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Am I aiming right? Am I aiming right? Okay. I think I'm ready. Oh, wait. And, and you know, and that's how he would, he would like, I'm, and I'm sitting here going, would you fire already? But for me, right. I kind of attack life like ready, fire. Wait, was that the same? You know? And so when we, when we look at it as a package deal, we can, we can help to temper each other. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I love that. So for the remaining part of the interview, we'd love to land on some practical steps to help us love like Jesus as we embrace the grit and grace of living with our sandpaper spouse. So let's start with the first step from your book, which is to choose your love, then love your choice. Yeah, you know, you think about when you were a little kid and your mom and dad fed you something for dinner. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had no choice in the matter. But if you went out to dinner at a restaurant, oh my goodness, how fun it was. You got to pick something off the menu, right? Mm -hmm. And I know with, with my mom or with my own children, I you know, if you've made a choice, you're going to like it. You're not going to wait until your sibling, now they show up, uh, their order shows up with chicken nuggets and you order spaghetti and you're like, oh, wait, I'd rather have that. No, <laughs> you made your choice. So choose Stick your love and then love yeah. your choice. And I just think that's really mm. important to think about that in marriage too. You know, we, we, at one time we chose our spouse, mm -hmm. right? So we've yes. got to stop our, our brains from going to this place where we think, oh, what in me ever thought that was a good idea. You know, I should have chose differently, right? We need to right focus on their good characteristics and, and not let those things that drive us nuts and aggravate us be the things that rise to the top, but to remind ourselves, you know, I chose this person and what is it that I loved so much about him and focus on yeah. that instead. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. Uh, Karen, practically speaking, cause you shared in the beginning that after premarital counseling, y'all were saying that you have like a 5% chance of making it, so to speak. Um, did, did those thoughts ever come back to y'all when you were like having fights or in your marriage throughout the years? And how did you sort of stop that, I guess? Cause I know for me, sometimes I'm like, Oh, if I've heard something before, like, Oh, we're, we weren't going to make it. Well, this is why we weren't going to make it, you know, and you can almost dwell on that. So how, how have you and your husband like accepted that, but moved on from that as well? 
Oh yeah, definitely both of us, our brains go there sometimes. But what we remind ourselves uh, of um, often is the fact that I stood up before 220 people Mm -hmm. and God was there that day too. He saw it all. And I said, till death do us part. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, I made a vow, not just to the spouse that's driving me insane right now, <laughs> right. but I made that vow to God and I made it before these people. And so I remind myself of that. It was it was not something that we entered into lightly and just thought, oh, you know, I'll I'll buy this model and if it doesn't work out, I'll buy a new model some other day, you know. Right. And I'm not and I'm not trying to be flippant at all and and say that there are not legitimate and biblical grounds for divorce. I'm not seeing that at all. But I'm just saying for the average marriage, you know, sometimes you just kind of go, what in me thought this was a good idea? You know, no, (laughs) you need to, I I feel like when our brains start to go there, we go, wait a minute, it doesn't matter that we had such a a low percentage chance to, to make it in marriage. We said we were going to do it and we're Mm -hmm. keeping our, and we're keeping our word. And then when we do stay together, you know, God gets the credit because it's certainly none of our doing because, yeah. you know, left to our own personalities. Oh, my goodness. We would have been divorced probably and remarried 17 times because then we, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, wait, what? You know, I, I think I did like them. He is, you know, those little those little habits. They're kind of cute. I think I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. I love that. That's a that's a good segue to the next step, which is to lose the attitude, keep the marriage. Yes, yes. So often we think, if I just got had a different marriage, had a different husband, had a different wife, and so often we see people that they go on and marry someone else, and then guess what? There are things about that spouse that drive me yes. crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wait a minute, what what was it about my first spouse that I didn't like so much? Because like this one's driving me nuts too, right? Yeah. So rather than letting our thoughts migrate to the place where we think we need to change partners, we need to change our attitude. Because really, you know, that's the only thing we have control over anyway. We can't change mm-hmm. our spouse's behavior. Right. We can't. We can't change their behavior. We can talk to them about their behavior. We can hope they change their behavior. We can pray they change their behavior. But really, the only thing we have control over is our own thoughts, our own actions and reactions, our own attitude. And if we can go to God asking for a new attitude and a fresh perspective and help me to understand what I'm supposed to be learning in this in this frustration, when we can have that kind of attitude. And also to just really realize that, I don't know, for me, I have to remind myself sometimes when I feel like there's some big issue that's just driving me crazy about mm-hmm. my spouse, that there are people that are dealing with way worse things, way mm-hmm. worse things, you know, serious, serious things in marriage. And so, you know, whatever, pick up the socks, you know, do I really need to yell about it? I don't really need to yell on about it. You know, I just need to pick up the socks. 
This okay, I'm awesome. I'm laughing, Karen, because that's one of my things. I'm like, yes, really? there are socks everywhere in our house. <laughs> yeah, with three kids <laughs> and myself included, like who you know forgets to pick up the socks sometimes. Um, yeah. I hear you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. on that point with the attitude, even when it comes to parenting, I mean, Christina and I will often uh, tell our kids, we're like, hey, I mean, yes, I know that your your brother or your sister did that to you, but you are in control of your attitude. You are in control of how you respond. Uh, you don't, yes, they, obviously they did that, but how are you then going to respond to that? So it's just, it's such a good reminder uh, not only in the way that we parent, but especially toward our spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, Karen, what you're saying um, sounds hard. <laughs> I guess <laughs> yes. it, it sounds like Very it takes a lot so. of work. And that's your next step. And you were saying to make marriage work, you have to work at your marriage. So how, what does that mean? And, and how can we work on our marriage? Again, I really think that comes down to attitude too and your perspective because mm-hmm. we are we are sold this wrong bill of goods about marriage in our culture, and that is that two half people who are out there floating around in the universe, they f- suddenly find each other, right? And now they're whole. Now they're complete. Well, first of all, single people aren't half people. That's such a bad way of yes. thinking of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and when you think of you know finding that perfect puzzle piece person that just fits with you like a glove that they're going to make you happy and marriage is going to be all about you. Oh my goodness. Does that set us up for failure? Because (laughs) marriage does not make you happy. Marriage is not all about you. And if Mm -hmm. instead our, our perspective can be, you know what? Marriage is, is hard work and it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about something greater. And I believe that something greater is showing the watching world, a picture of the gospel. And the gospel is the fact that, God sent Jesus to earth to die in our place and take our punishment. Um, so we don't have to live apart mm. from God the, mm. the rest of our life. You know, God in his great mercy sent Jesus and God in his great mercy, he gives us second chances. He doesn't bring up the past. He keeps showing up and giving us new chances over and over and over again. And when we make our perspective in marriage to show that kind of behavior to our wow. spouse, and the, the world is watching, guess what? They are getting a sermon. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. getting a sermon. That's incredible. It's not just pastors that deliver a, ma- a message. Your marriage is a message. And people are watching. Are they going to see you keep doing the hard work and showing up? Or are they going to see you, you know, throwing in the towel and going, oh, well, this isn't easy and it's not about me. I'm done. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a beautiful picture, Um, not only for the watching world and for others to see, but for spouses to remind one another (laughs) in the way that they they love one another when the other person might be difficult to love. Mm -hmm. So earlier on, you talked about um, differences and, and, you know, even in the subtitle of your book and and the next step in, in this one particular chapter was make your differences work for you not against you. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more for us? Yeah, it's it's just learning to cooperate and to collaborate rather than just pushing against each other, you know? Instead mm-hmm. of making those differences, you know, be a source of frustration, they can actually be something that's good in your marriage. If you learn to quit seeing, this is my my big sermon, one of the little one-sentence sermons I preach to myself, if you can learn to quit seeing different as wrong, difference not oh, difference not wrong. It's, it's just different. It's just different, right? right? Oh, I but, love that. But I you know, and I'm the queen of. If my husband were sitting in here, he'd start laughing right now because I'm the queen <laughs> of thinking different is wrong. I'm the queen of it, you know. And I'm like, why are you doing it that way? Because mm-hmm. 
I think the right way is to do it this way, you know, Mm -hmm. but if I can tell myself, you know, this is what I like to say to people that there are a lot of ways to get to four, right? Two plus two is four, three plus one is four, 16 divided by four is four. There are a lot of ways to get to four. You know, you might not get to four the way your spouse does, but the job still, the job still gets done. So make those differences work for you, learn to collaborate, learn to cooperate, you know, quit working against each other and just go, okay, you know, he's doing it differently or she's doing it differently, but it's going to get done. I got to be okay with that. There's no, not everyone has to do things my way. In fact, um, just a real quick little story. My accountability partner, Mary, one day I was venting to her about my husband, as I often do. And she's totally annoying because she usually takes his side and tries <laughs> to get me to see his perspective. I always That's joke. That's a good friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we get to 50 years of marriage, I'm sending her a thank you note. But anyway, <laughs> one day I was venting to her about these differences in our marriage. And I remember her just very sweetly saying, Karen, sweetheart, listen, your marriage doesn't need two Karens. It needs one Karen and one Todd. And if you and Todd did everything the same, attacked life the same, processed things the same, would make the exact same decision in every single situation, then one of you is unnecessary. So knock it off. Oh. Let, him, let, let him be different. Let him be wow. different. And I like didn't like her that day, but now I've seen the, seen the wisdom that that's that's true. You that's know, incredible. You're, you're put together in your differences, but the, as I was talking about earlier, the whole package can be a beautiful thing. If we quit trying to correct and fix the other person and see their different ways of doing thing as wrong, they're not wrong. They're just different. Mm, I feel like that needs to be like on our wall somewhere. Yes, I think we can end right now. That was amazing. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm going on to your next step, Karen, and I'm interested in hearing more about this is, um, you say specialize to maximize. What does that mean? Well, first of all, I feel like sometimes, and I'm not trying to step on any toes here or knock anybody's um, way of approaching life and marriage at all, but sometimes I think that we look at marriage and the roles of husband and wife, and we already have predecided, you know, what a wife should do and what a husband should do. Mm. And and often that works out great, but sometimes it, it doesn't. And there's really no biblical basis for some of these things. It's more like a throwback to the 1950s traditional roles or whatever, (laughs) you know? And, um, so like, for example, doing dishes, my husband rocks at doing dishes. Like he can make these big towers stacked in the the strainer. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh honey. I love a man with dish pan hands. I'm just saying, right. (laughs) But, um, rather than me going, Oh, well, that's a wife's job. You know, Oh, I should be doing the dishes. No, like he likes to do them. He enjoys it. And there are things that maybe are more traditionally thought of as what the, the husband should do that I like to do. We, we, Mm -hmm. we divvy up responsibilities based on our strengths and things we enjoy rather than just saying, Oh, the wife should do this. The husband should do that. You know, and Todd, he's, he's a very detailed guy. He's thorough, he's observant and he does a great job paying the bills. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of his thing, but my strengths lie elsewhere. I'm kind of more a big picture idea slinger. I love to interact with people. He's not so much on the, he gets peopled out. Like don't make him right. make all the phone calls about stuff. He doesn't like that, you know? So, um, I do all of the communicating with the teachers and the coaches and extended mm-hmm. family members and that kind of things. We, and you know, around the house, we split up the the tasks and dive in to get them done, you know, realizing it's, it's not a competition or anything. And we're just right. in a goal to get things done. And we need to be 
assigning these things not based on, you know, what someone else says they should be, but, Mm -hmm. you know, think about it yourself. Think through what you enjoy doing, don't enjoy doing, who's good at what, and then specialize in those things, divvy up those responsibility because it will maximize by getting more done in less time if the person that's more naturally gifted and better Mm -hmm. suited to do the task is doing the task. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That reminds me of uh, an exercise that we did during our premarital counseling. And it was a list of tasks and things that need to get done in and around a house. And Christina and I, uh, the, the, ta- the, the assignment was put one of the person's names beside whichever tasks so that you can talk through it all. Well, mm-hmm. when we presented our homework to our group and to our premarital counselors, they were like, uh, you got to do this over again because I don't think you understood the assignment. And we were like, what are you talking about? We want to do everything together. Because we love each other. Like we literally put our names beside everything together. How's that working for you? <laughs> yep, didn't happen. <laughs> so, I will gladly allow you to take out the trash, Daniel. Yes, yes no. you are really gifted in that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, funny. Oh, how hilarious! Yeah. So, specialize to maximize. The next point is to get on your knees quickly and often. What do you mean by that? This one I'm really preaching to myself because I tend to run to my spouse and tell him all the things he's doing wrong. Um, rather than run to God and say, help me here. I need some help here. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want to react or respond in a way that's improper. I want to go to God in prayer, asking for what it is I'm going to need to get through this, this rough patch that we're, we're going through asking mm. him what words I should say, what words I should not say, you know, and going to God first before a massive blow up materializes, you know, and I'm not saying throw yourself on your knees and say, Oh Lord, please change my spouse. You know, I mean, asking for my own behavior, what, how am I supposed to respond? Help me not to overreact, (laughs) you know, help me uh, to learn what you're doing here. How are you refining me? How are you making me a better person through this sandpaper spouse, you know, getting on our knees immediately rather than just, you know, thinking we have to go and, and have this all out discussion. And mm-hmm. for the, for those people who aren't quick to talk and tend to explode, you know, maybe they're the opposite. Like my husband is, he's quick to withdraw and give the cold shoulder shoulder. And now instead of, you know, throwing angry words, he's thrown up a wall of icy resentment. You know, mm-hmm. those people need to also not go do that, but go right. to their knees as well. And if we're both, you know, when a conflict arises, we're going to, our knees and we're asking God for the solution. He's faithful and he will give it. He will give it. Yeah. I love that. I know the times that, um, I haven't done that (laughs) and just wanted to throw the fiery arrows of my opinions. I, it it definitely spiraled quickly. Right, Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. Smart man. (laughs) No way. I'm going to agree with that. He was on his knees, Karen. He was praying. So, Karen, your last step is show love to your man for no other reason than just because he is your husband. Um, I love that. So can you expound on that and even why you chose that to be the last step? Well, you know, there's a a passage in Scripture in the the New Testament, the second half, if you would, of the Bible in a, a book called Matthew. 
um, chapter three, verses 16 and 17. And it talks about when Jesus was being baptized by his cousin, who was named John, he came up out of the water. And right then in that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And then he heard this voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And it just has struck me how God said he was so pleased and how much he loved his son when Jesus really, he hadn't done anything yet. I mean, he was Mm. baptized, but he hadn't performed any miracles. You know, he hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't Mm. fed the multitudes and all these things that we read about that he did in the Bible. But God lavished his love on Jesus, not based on performance, but just because he belonged to him. And I think if we can learn to do that, to, to show love to our spouse, not based on their behavior, not based on, you know, their great memory and they didn't forget our, our anniversary, our birthday, you know, not based on anything that can be tethered to their performance, but just because they're our spouse. And so we're going to love them just because they're ours. Yeah, love that. Well, Karen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview with us and for writing the book, Keep Showing Up, How to Stay Crazy in Love When Your Love Drives You Crazy. Where can our listeners find out more about you and grab a copy of your book? They can look at my website, which is KarenEman.com, and Eman is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there, there is a link to all the different retailers. You know, it's available at the ministry I speak for, Proverbs 31 Ministries, but it's also on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and any place books are sold. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Karen. Thanks for having me, guys. I love how practical she was in those points about embracing your sandpaper spouse. And I mean, there's just so, I mean, my favorite part was four. There are so many different ways you can get to the number four. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just imagine what it would look like if we approached it that way, where maybe we're in a conflict with our kids or with our spouse or even someone at work and we're, we're just not seeing things the same way. And especially for me, I think a lot. And I plan a lot and I strategize a lot, so much so that when I come up with a plan, I'm like, no, this is the only way. This is the best researched way. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. Maybe for with using all the information that I know, but it's not the best way. So I think that's humbling for me to hear. And hopefully I can integrate that into the times we get into the Why are you looking at me like that? I'm smiling really big right now, guys. What (laughs) is going on? Christina. I did not pay him to say that. I just have to say, the Lord is working in mysterious ways, guys. Oh, man. Okay. I think I'm going to eat my words later, but yes. We have a few quotes we're going to put on our walls, I guess. Yes. Okay. So that's inbetween.org slash episode 65. If there's someone that came to mind, maybe your spouse, but maybe also a friend, when you were listening to this episode that you're like, oh, you know what? I think they need to hear this. So I'd love to share that. We would be honored if you do that. You can just text them in between.org slash episode 65 or on your podcasting app, just hit the share button and you can shoot that over to them as well. So next week on episode 66, what are we going to be talking about? Oh, I'm excited to talk about this one because we're going to be sharing ideas of how to make decisions. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for listening in and thanks for subscribing. If you haven't yet done so, it's super easy. Just hit the subscribe button on your podcasting app and you won't miss episode ever. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at InBetweenShow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'll catch you next week.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.